You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father. Son and Spirit, that you are a God of light, a God of hope. Thank you that Christmas is that beautiful season that we celebrate light and life and hope, that you have brought your light into the darkness of our lives and our world. And we pray that you would give us a taste of that hope tonight as we reflect on your light. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good evening, friends. It's so great to see all of you. My name is Corey. I'm the senior pastor here at Third, and want to welcome you. Um, I know that a lot of you are um, just part of Third, and some of you might be family that are in town visiting, and some of you might be guests tonight, and some of you are uh, believers, some are doubters, some are wanderers, some are skeptics. Uh, some of you feel happy tonight. Some of you feel really sad. Some of you feel really lighthearted. Others of you are probably carrying really heavy burdens. And I just want to say I'm so grateful for whatever you're here, whatever you're bringing into this space tonight. We're just so grateful that we can be in this sacred, holy moment together celebrating the light that God has brought into our world. We we all have um, traditions that our families celebrate at Christmas time, and you probably have already been using some of those traditions already today. Uh, One tradition that our family had for many years was to argue about what lights to put on the Christmas tree. Uh, My my family growing up as a kid always used those big, fat, multicolored glass bulbs on the tree. And Sarah's family growing up always used the tiny little twinkly white lights on the tree. And so as soon as we got married, it became an annual thing that we would begin arguing about what lights to put on the tree. And then as our girls grew up, they began to join in the argument, such to the, got to the point where at moments in some years we had to have a vote uh, as a family to decide uh, what to use on the tree. And so I thought this was a great opportunity to publicly settle the decision by having a vote tonight to demonstrate to my family how right I am. So, um, so raise your hand if you think that you should put those silly little white lights on the tree. Okay. Um, Raise your hand if you think you should put those big, beautiful, colorful lights on the tree. Yes, the colorful lights have it, I think. I'm so glad that we were able to help me settle that decision. Just kidding. I know who, obviously, who the winner was. Anyway, you know, it's interesting, though, because as much as I think we or other families argue about colors of lights, nobody ever really argues about whether or not to put lights on the tree. I think all of us sort of take it as a given that lights are just a part of Christmas. And it has been, actually, for hundreds of years. No one really is quite sure where that tradition came from. There is a legend that the great German reformer Martin Luther um, was out writing a Christmas sermon one night in the dark cold of Germany out in the countryside, and it was a beautiful starlit night, and he looked up, and, it, and he, the light, the bright, beautiful stars were shining through these evergreen trees. And he thought it was just so beautiful that he cut down a tree, and he brought it home, put it up in his family room, tried to recreate the scene. Obviously, we don't know if that was true, but what we do know is by the 17th century, um, many, many families in Germany were doing this in their homes, and it began to spread throughout Europe. 
families establishing um, green evergreens in their home at Christmas time. And of course, kids, there was no electricity at the time. So instead of little electric lights, they put candles on the tree. So they could only do this. They could only light the candles for several minutes at a time. And they would sit there and watch with buckets of water and sand to throw on the tree when it caught fire, which I think sounds amazing. Like a great <laughs> Christmas tradition that, that, that we should bring back. Anyway, so we don't really know where this came from, but what we do know is that for as long as there has been Christmas, light, light has been a powerful symbol of hope in the midst of darkness. That we claim that a little bit of light, even a tw little twinkly light, a little bit of light can, can dispel a whole lot of darkness. Our, our famous passage that we read tonight from Isaiah 9, one of the great passages of Christmas. Christians are reading this text all around the world today. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. This is the great theme of this text, that light at Christmas has dispelled the darkness. So I just wanna reflect a little bit with you um, on that theme tonight. First, though, we do need to talk about the darkness because it, it, it's a little weird to say but before Christmas is about light, it, it's, it's about darkness. There's a reason why um, Christmas, at least in the West, is scheduled right around the same time as the winter solstice, which, which of course is the deepest night, the darkest nights of the year. Uh, and the reason is, is because you know, light, a light is not really bright unless the dark is deep. And so we begin with the dark. Advent begins in the dark. This is why here at our third church family, we take Advent really seriously. And in fact, today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And throughout the Sundays of Advent, we, we take a serious contemplative look at the dark in order that when Christmas comes, the light is all the more bright. To quote my favorite Advent author, uh, Fleming Rutledge, she writes this, Advent is designed to show that the meaning of Christmas is diminished to the vanishing point if we are not willing to take a fearless inventory of the darkness. And that's where this Isaiah passage begins. It begins in the darkness. People walking in darkness. The people who dwell in the land of deep darkness, it says. What is this darkness that this passage speaks of? I think there's probably multiple layers of this darkness. There's first the darkness out around us, you know, around us in the world. This, this, this passage was written a couple thousand years ago in a time of Israel's history when they were experiencing great political oppression, economic and physical deprivation, social isolation. They looked around and all they saw was sorrow and despair. They were losing hope. And so there's a part of this passage that's just speaking to the darkness around us in the world. And as much as we would like to think that 2,000 years of progress and technology could have extinguished all the human suffering and violence in the world. Unfortunately, it's still very much here. And this year, we've seen a lot of it. We've seen two terrible wars that do not seem to be ending. We've seen untold human suffering. We've seen an, an unmatched refugee crisis. We see deep political and racial and social division. We see untold human suffering. There's still very much darkness all around us. And not only is there darkness around us, there's darkness within us. The Christian tradition says that the darkness is not just like out there in the world, but is also in here, in, in our own souls. And that in each of us, in me, in all of us, there is a capacity for evil and a propensity towards 
greed and pride and lust and self-preservation and that there's, I mean, all of us, I mean, I know you look really nice, but I think all of us, we could say honestly that there are places of darkness in us that are scary and that are shameful and that maybe are even too embarrassing to name and that these places of darkness cause harm. They cause harm to our marriages, our friendships, our relationships, our children, our communities, our world. There's darkness within us. And not only that, there's darkness upon us. You know, this text actually says literally, the people who dwell in the land of the death shadow. So that we all as humans live under this specter, specter of death. That everything, our bodies, our, 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 our relationships, our, our legacies, our, our creation itself is winding down to diminishment towards extinction and death. And so that's the context of this passage. It's really dark that human beings dwell in the darkness and we need the light. We need the light to come. Um, I remember reading years ago about, um, you guys might have remembered this, there was a group of Chilean miners who were trapped 2,300 feet under the ground for 70 days. Can you imagine? 70 days. And they experienced um, dehydration and starvation and sleeplessness and cramping, and they were besieged by bacteria and mold and bugs and snakes. I mean, talk, talk about a nightmare. And when they were finally rescued, the reporters interviewed them, and they asked, what was the worst thing about the experience? And one of the miners said, the very worst thing was the deep down dark, being trapped in the dark with no way out. So that's the human situation. Where do we find the light? Where does the light come from? Well, at Christmas time, uh, this time of year, we hear lots of um, great messages about spreading light and finding light within and, and you know, joining, joining hands and spreading good cheer and making the world a better place. And there's, a, there's some real truth to that, but it's not the whole truth. Um, I remember, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. I'm a children of the 80s. Um, shout out for all you Gen Xers out there, all three of us. Um, um, but in, so one of the highlights of your childhood, if you were in the 80s, was the 1985 Live Aid concert, where all the different most famous musicians at the time um, got up on stage and sang a unified song. Do you remember the song? You're, you remember it, Britain? Yes, We Are the World. Do you remember the, how it goes? We are the world, we are the children, we are the ones who make a brighter day, so let's start giving. And Dylan was on the stage. Bob Dylan was on the stage. And he had this, I went back and watched the YouTube a couple days ago. He had this really sour, awkward look on his face the whole time, like it was the last place he wanted to be. And afterwards, a reporter interviewed Dylan, and they asked him about it. Why did you look so uncomfortable? And he said, only in a way that Dylan can say, and I'll do my best to attempt a Dylan impersonation here. He said, humankind cannot save itself right? Humankind cannot save itself. What a great thing to say by Bob Dylan. But it's true. And in some ways, ironically, that's sort of like the original Christmas message, that humankind cannot save itself, that we can't make the world a brighter place, that we're trapped in the dark, that we need light to come. And so in many ways, you know, even if you look at this passage, it says, uh, notice the verbs. It says the, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. The people who live in the land of the shadow of death, on them, what? A light has dawned. It doesn't say 
They generated the light, or they created the light, or they ignited the light. They passively were trapped in the dark, and the light came upon them, just like the miners who were trapped in the dark until that moment that light broke through from the giant drill from the cavern above them. We're trapped in the dark until the light comes in from the outside. And what is that light? The child. Verse six, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. In other words, he is the one who comes alongside us in our suffering to bring comfort. Mighty God, he is the one who reveals the hidden and invisible God to make him known to us. Everlasting Father, he is the source of all things. He is the one who parents originates a new community of hope, and he is the Prince of Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who brings light and hope and renewal to all things. Jesus Christ is the light of God crashing in, bursting in, drilling in to our place of darkness from the outside. He is God with us, God for us, God among us. Light come to rescue us from the darkness around us, to forgive the darkness within us, and to defeat the death darkness that is upon us. The light has come in Jesus Christ and the darkness cannot overcome it. Now you're gonna go home tonight and you're gonna wake up tomorrow and you're gonna go about your day, probably the next couple days and you know, the world just feels kind of, it'll feel kind of the same. Um, The news cycles will still be really, really bad. And, and some of you are walking right back into, situ- you, you know, your, your, your very hard and difficult, dark situation is not going to improve by coming to this service. Some of you are going back into really hard situations. Um, some of you are, it's your first Christmas with a broken family. It's your first Christmas with a broken heart. And, um, and when you feel like you're in the darkness, it is very disorienting because you can't see what's around you, you can't see what's in front of you, and it's very difficult to believe that this little bit of darkness that we're talking about tonight makes any difference with the overwhelming darkness in the world. But it does. Kids, kids, hey, listen to me for one second. Have you ever heard the story about the farmer with the three sons in the barn? Probably not, it's an old German folk tale, but let me tell it to you. So there's a farmer, and he has three sons, and he's trying to decide which of his sons should inherit his farm when he dies. So he comes up with a very unusual way to decide which of the sons will inherit it. So he brings them and he says, okay guys, you have one day, one day to fill up the old barn in any way you choose, but you have to see who can fill it up the best before the day is done. So the older, strong brother goes first. He's in charge of the animals. And he spends all morning gathering up all the cows and the sheep and the goats. And he puts them into the barn. And the farmer comes in. He says, well done, son. You got all the animals in here. It's just totally full, except there's all that space right up to the ceiling. And then the middle brother's turn. And he spends all afternoon. He's in charge of the fields. He spends all afternoon gathering up all the hay. And he brings it into the barn. And he stacks the hay way up to the ceiling. And the farmer comes in and he says, Well done, son, you got it all the way up to the rafters, but there's still all that space out to the walls. Well, by this time, it's almost nighttime. I mean, the little brother, the little brother who really doesn't have any responsibilities because he's too little, he still has to have a chance though. And so the little brother, now that the, the barn is dark and the night has fallen, the little brother walks into the barn 
and he pulls out a candle and he lights the candle and the light from the candle shoots up to the rafters and it spills out the windows and the doors. And, and his two big brothers and his dad stand there in awe because he has filled up that whole dark barn with a little bit of light. And it is so, I think it is so hard to believe sometimes that we can do anything about the darkness. I mean, just look at this. A little baby born to a teenage mom put in a feed trough in a podunk town in the Middle East. Who would have thought that this tiny little insignificant child could do anything about the overwhelming darkness in the world? And yet, this child, this Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his grace, his hope, the promise of new life in him has spurred so much hope, so much grace, so much power, so many movements of renewal and hope in the world in every continent, in every age. How else is the Jeffer family finding hope? Jesus is their light. Jesus is their hope. Jesus is the one who they believe through him, God is writing their story and it is a storyline of hope. Jesus is the one who brings light. To quote um, my, one of my favorite authors again, Henry Nouwen, people who have come to know the joy of God do not deny the darkness, but they choose not to live in it. They claim that the light that shines in the darkness can be trusted, listen to this, can be trusted more than the darkness itself, and that a little bit of light can dispel a lot of darkness. Here's why I love that. Nowen struggled with clinical depression. He wrote of his own mental anguish, and yet this man, who was not prone to joy, chose every day to choose. He fought for the truth that a little bit of light can dispel a whole lot of darkness. He chose every day he had to choose. We choose between cynicism and hope, between joy and despair, between believing that despite the overwhelming darkness in the world, the little bit of light that seems so small given by God in Jesus Christ is actually so much stronger, so much more powerful, and one day that light will take over and cast out every shadow of creation. That's the hope that we hold on to as Christians, and this is the hope that we have to offer to the world. In the season of apartheid, in South Africa, people in opposition, in protest to apartheid, began to put lit candles in their windows at night. And it was a sign of opposition to government-sanctioned segregation and racism. It was a sign of opposition, but it was also a, a symbol of hope that one day they believed apartheid would fall. And the government soon took notice, and they made it a criminal offense to put a lit candle in the window, the same offense equivalent to carrying a firearm in public. Well, soon um, little children began to joke about this and they wrote little songs that they sang in the street. Our government is afraid of candles. And of course they were, because in the end, y'all listen, it was the candles, it was the candles, not guns, not violence. It was the candles that defeated apartheid. It was hope, not violence that turned that nation upside down. A little bit of light casts out a whole lot of darkness. So tonight, as you go home tonight, and as you look at the little twinkly lights on your tree, whether they're white or colored, um, and as we, as we hold up candles, as we light the candles around our dinner table, as we hold up candles in just a moment, let us claim the truth 
that it is an act. This is an act of hope. It is an act, it is a public declaration. It is an act of liturgical resistance against the evil and against the darkness of the world. We are saying, proclaiming to each other that despite anything that is happening in the world, despite the darkness that may be going on in your own life, the light has come, Christ has come, Christ is coming, Christ will come again. We hold out a vision of light and hope for the future, for your future and for our world that isn't at all grounded on any present circumstance, but is grounded in a God of love who has come to us in the person of Jesus. Our light, our hope, a God who has brought light to our darkness will one day bring light to every corner of our world. This child, this son who is given to us, this is the one, not your darkness, him, the light, he is the one who will determine your future, our future, the hope of our world. The light has come and the darkness can't overcome it. So here's what I'd love for you to do. Let's just, let's just bow our heads for a moment. I just would love for you to think about one place of darkness in your life. Maybe it is a problem you can't fix, a relationship you can't heal, a disease you can't beat, a burden you can't shake. Or maybe it's something going on in the world that is just so heavy on you, but name that darkness. And then imagine God through Jesus Christ shedding his light. You might say, God, bring your light into this darkness. Bring your light into this darkness. You are my only hope. We thank you, oh God, that you are the light bringer, that you are the God of light and hope, and that you have brought your light into the darkness of our world through Jesus. Help us to be those who choose to believe that the light is stronger than the dark, even when circumstances suggest otherwise. Help us to be those who are stewards of the light to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.